welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. Welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. This is episode 130 and this week I'm joined by Tom Rylance and Katie Lloyd from The Lottery Winners who are a four-piece indie rock band hailing from Lee in Greater Manchester. The other two members of the band are Rob Lally and Joe Singleton and they've not long released a new album. It's called Anxiety Replacement Therapy and as we recorded this episode they just spent a week with the number one album in the UK charts which is just a wonderful thing. It's a great record There's loads of cool people on there. There's loads of collaborations. Boy George is on. Sean Ryder is on. Frank Turner's on. It's a real special thing. And you can probably guess by the name of it, Anxiety Replacement Therapy, that there's really strong mental health themes throughout the record. And that's what I caught up with Tom and Katie to chat all about. I was lucky enough to catch up with them in Liverpool at the Jacaranda Phase 1 about an hour before they went on stage and played there. And we talk about the record, the writing of the record, We talk about all the years of hard work that went into getting to this place and how the ups and downs of the music industry has affected their mental health over the years. We talk about making music and songwriting and touring and medication and ADHD. And they also share an incredible anecdote about what it's like to be in a studio with Sean Ryder. That's brilliant. And to have an album at the top of the charts with the words anxiety and therapy in the title is just such a big deal, I think, for normalising talking about mental health. And it was just awesome to chat to the band to hear about how all that came about. And this was a really special episode for me because we recorded it in person. And if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you'll know that I'm a music geek. You know, music is a huge part of my life. It's a huge part of my identity and my mental health toolkit, I suppose. And to be able to interview a band backstage at a gig and then sort of hang out with them for a little bit afterwards and share a slice of pizza well that's just something that I've been kind of dreaming of probably since I was a little kid it was a really special moment and the fact that the the band were one that I'm a big fan of a band whose music I listened to and that they were really lovely it just made it really special yeah so I cannot thank these guys enough obviously the record is out now and they're doing loads of touring over the summer to support it go and see them live they're incredible i kind of knew the music and i liked the music and then i saw them live and now i love the music you know there's one of those bands that you just have to see them so yeah highly recommend it there's a link to their website and everything in the episode notes all the tour dates are there we mentioned frank turner a lot in this episode And I mentioned that he's been on before. So if you're a Frank Turner fan or a music fan in general, go and check that episode out. It's number like 30 something. So you're going to have to go back quite a bit. And if music is your thing, I've also spoken to Bill McCarthy from Augustine's and the multi-award winning songwriter Rachel Walker Mason. I've recorded a wonderful episode with Ian Winwood, who was a Kerrang! journalist for 20-something years, and we talk a lot about the highs and lows of the music industry and some of the bands that he's met and written about over the years. That's a wonderful episode. And if you listen to any of those and any others and you like them, if you could do me a solid and leave a five-star review, it would be very much appreciated. This is episode 130 of the Proper Mental Podcast with Tom and Katie from the Lottery Winners. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy. Hi, 
Uh, so here we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast, and I'm in the Jacaranda Phase One record shop in Liverpool with Katie and Tom from the Lottery Winners. How are yeah. you guys? Hello. Yeah, fine. How are you? Hello. <laughs> oh, guys, thank you so much for doing this. I really, uh, really appreciate your Frank time. Turner's on the wall there. Look. Oh yeah. Frank Turner's our mate. Who else is on that wall? Why am I not on that wall? You have to sort that out after today. Pixies on get the on, wall. Get on the wall. Yeah. She's oh. great. Frank Turner's been on this podcast as well. Has so he? We've got, got Frank in common, yeah. yeah. Uh, why are we on it then? Are you just scraping the barrel now if you've got like, <laughs> if you've had famous people? Well, it's all downhill after you've had Frank Turner on it, really. <laughs> so, yeah, but no, I really, um, really appreciate it. You guys, have you played Liverpool much on the on the circuit? We, we This last tour we played Liverpool Academy on, it was like the first, was it the first? Second of the tour. Yeah. yeah, the second day of the tour. That was really good, sold out. Everyone said I was brilliant. I mean, that's all you want, right? Everybody yeah. said me, specifically, was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As we um, sit and record this, obviously you've got the number one album in the UK. I mean, oh. does that... Oh, wow. <laughs> Only for about another 40 minutes until it's... No, we're always going to have had a number one album, but yeah, Ed Sheeran's going to have it in a minute. <laughs> but yeah, Pass but... the baton on. Yeah. Milk it for the last, like, an hour that we've got it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, does that sink in? Has that sunk in? Like, what's that like? It hasn't really sank in yet because we've just not stopped. Like, we've done 38 gigs in a row without a break. Wow. Which is not really common. And um, we're playing tonight, tomorrow, and the day after. And then I'm going to sit in my knickers with my trophy and think about what I've done. Right, yeah, <laughs> just let it all Yeah, it's, I mean, it's an incredible achievement. It's like a life achievement, isn't it? Like a number one album is it's mind-blowing, really. Like, I'm, uh, yeah, I can't believe it, can you? No, I'm still, I feel like it's just not settled in yet because, like you said, we've not stopped. We've just carried on. We had, like, a little party on the Friday when we found out. We had, like, friends and family and some fans down. But then, yeah, in the morning, we were straight back in the van to Newcastle with a bad hangover. Uh, and straight back into the gigs. So yeah, we've got three left now, and then we're done, and we're gonna sleep. Then we quit, <laughs> drop the mic, and bow out. <laughs> into the sunset. Yeah. Oh, it's like, I, I was kind of thinking about it today, and it there's something about, with you guys getting that number one, that's like, that seemed quite old fashioned about it, right? Because in this like modern era of music where bands explode out of nowhere and mm. then they either they do one thing and it does really well and then maybe they could do another one and then they just disappear. Yeah. Like you guys have been like grafting, man, for time. Like, yeah. I've, I saw the name The Lottery Winners long before I heard your music. I just yeah. used to see it on yeah. posters and posts and stuff. But yeah. you've been at it for a hard minute, eh? We've been at it 15 years. Wow. And, um, and I, I'm kind of like grateful for that because although it's taken a long time to get where we are now, I never wanted to be one of those flash in the pan bands that kind of just like five minutes and then gone. Like I think music is so disposable these days and I think that's like upsetting because music's really important to me and like if you think with like Spotify, Spotify playlists and, and the way that bands kind of make it now, it's all kind of passive in it and, and like it gets picked by somebody but when you've done it our way which is just literally playing live for 15 years as much as we can to as many people as we can and built up relationships and bonds with those people then that just feels more real and I'm, I think it does feel old-fashioned because we've kind of done it the old-fashioned way and it, it what you know it, we couldn't compete with like all the the big pop stars in streaming 
because that's just not our world. Our world is more like the old-fashioned farmer, and we sold a load of records and a load of CDs to a lot of music fans. And it was I think that is just so much nicer and so much more romantic even. I think like music's like a tangible... I want to hold a record. If I, if I love an album, I want a picture of it in my house, you know what I mean? I don't just want it digitally in ones and zeros. What do you think? Totally agree. Everyone agrees with me. That's it, yeah. And it, like, I, I don't know, I, I love the, um, like the old-fashioned ways of music. I miss it, man. Like this, there, there's, Of course, there's good things about streaming, but, you know, like if you... When you know how much has gone into a, a record and you've got a record and you spend time, right? When, when people get this record, they'll spend time getting into it rather yeah. than just like flicking through it. And like the whole thing, old fashioned on both sides is really important. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm a music nerd, you know, I'm a music fan, so I know what I want. And so that's all we've kind of done. We just, we make music that we want to make and we, we make formats that we want to make and we do gigs that we'd want to see and like that seems to work because we are music fans you know yeah ain't rocket science <laughs> over all them years that you've been doing it to get to this point how what sort of toll does that take like from a mental health perspective because there's got to be within that time there's got to be so many ups and downs oh so yeah many near misses and things that don't pan out and um, yeah i mean what springs to mind of like one of the lowest times in the band we we signed a record deal in Liverpool actually um to Warner Brothers Records with with Seymour Stein who's who unfortunately died recently actually um but I know he'd be proud of what we've just done um but we signed that to Warner Brothers and Seymour was really old when we signed it um probably 153 years old and I feel like we signed and we got the, it done and we were making the record. And as we were making the record, Warner Brothers kind of, I don't, I don't know the ins and outs, so I don't want to spread rumors, but it felt to me like they were turfing Seymour out um, and like they didn't really trust him anymore because he, he'd gotten old. He was like 230 at that point or something. And um, so we had this choice where we knew that Seymour was the only one in Warner that like really cared about us and the rest of the label didn't and he was always fighting for us and we made an album at this point and we just we was like do we stick it stay with Warner and get shelved or do we like follow Seymour into the dark kind of thing and and we did we followed Seymour into the dark and um signed with a a, a label in Liverpool Modern Sky um and kind of now we're here and I suppose I should take this opportunity to congratulate Warner Brothers Records on having the uh, number two album <laughs> this week. <laughs> Look at <laughs> Gutted. Look at what you could have won. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With a much bigger budget than ours, I tell you. Yeah. yeah. I did, uh, you know, speaking of the, the mental health stuff, the, one of the reasons why this record because, you know, I'm a fan of the band, right? So I was getting it regardless. But so one of the things that really stood out to me as someone who spends half my life talking about mental health and like working with mental health is the, the strong mental health themes throughout. Was that something that kind of, you know, was it just a case of like, you sit and write all these songs and you put these songs together and they just happen to be about this stuff? Or was it clear in the process that, oh, hang on a minute, there's a theme of stuff coming through? I was kind of just going through a lot of bad things um, around the time of writing the album. And I didn't realize until I looked back on the songs that I'd written that they, they kind of progressively got 
lighter and I got happier as the time went on and and writing songs for me is the way I deal with those emotions and and I've always been authentic and honest I like I I disingenuous songs don't interest me like I need to believe it and to believe it it needs to be true so yeah so I kind of noticed that I was writing a lot from a dark place and then it kind of came into a bit of a lighter place and that's when I thought oh well this is like my anxiety replacement therapy and then and then I realized that the acronym for that was art and then I thought I'm a genius that's gonna sell on a t-shirt and then yeah it kind of got a number one album but (laughs) but uh yeah I mean I think I've always written about mental health to be honest um said it like as their full package like all your songs have always been about that and then it's like with this one people have actually took a lot more notice to it i think with it being so open and about it yeah i think it's important to talk about and um you know i suffer with depression and anxiety i've got mad adhd it's made life kind of hard at times and i'm just so grateful that i get to do this and that i've got you lot that you know like the, the band all really support me and i think if if you're in a a position like we are where you spend so much time together, which is just, it's like 100% of our time is spent together in it. Like you have to be your authentic self and you, you learn each other's ways and everyone's really supportive. And if someone's having a bad day, we'll always try and pick them up. And it's like, you know, we're, we're best mates, aren't we? And I'm, I'm so grateful that I've got this family around me that, that care so much it's really nice do you think like with how intense the touring has been for the past like six weeks as well like we've been all this pressure on us for the album and getting stuff delivered and different hurdles every day we're facing like we were so drained every day but then we'd get to the point of going on stage and there's so much love in the room and everyone like really behind the us and the album and the journey was just like made it better every night and then you were back like to more stress the next day and just being so drained and then it's the same every night but that's got us through as well i think each other and then how nice how nice everyone is (laughs) (laughs) oh man it's like i it really stood out to me that it's mental health awareness week next week and the theme is anxiety is the theme of it is it and, uh, yeah surely we can cash in on this but yeah that's what you know, <laughs> definitely um, but it's like with mental health awareness something that I always bang on about is how that we need to make these mental health conversation it's so separate from normal conversations right so yeah. it's, it's all done in like therapy rooms yeah. it's done in doctor's offices and it yeah. needs it won't be normalized until it's just something we talk about same as we talk about the weather or music or dogs. absolutely so to have an album at like number one that's got anxiety and therapy in the fucking name <laughs> like, that's the yeah. definition right of yeah. mental health awareness. i suppose i'm very important then <laughs> <laughs> i clearly think so yeah but it's um no it's a really special thing and um yeah with the risk of um, sitting here and just like spending half an hour telling you how much I like the record but um, I really love that thing of songs that are really happy and upbeat but sometimes the words are sad it's like that Northern Soul thing of like mm. a song you can dance to but when you read the words you're like oh hang on a minute there's something going going on here yeah well I, my favourite ever band are the Smiths so I think like they're just the perfect example of that aren't they like you've got Morrissey moaning over uh, over Johnny Marr's jangly beautiful guitars and like that's all I've always loved that contrast and thought that that was really beautiful yeah is um has music been like a refuge for you mate oh absolutely I, that and garlic bread with cheese are the two most important things <laughs> in the world <laughs> the I mechanisms, think. yeah 
yeah that's what i think is so special about music that like you you even like you writing a song or any song that anyone listens to people will take their own emotions into that song and use it as like their relief and sometimes i like that like you don't actually know the meaning behind a song because it means something to someone in their own way and if they actually knew what it was about maybe it would change that perception of how that helps them because i do really feel like music is a big outlet and a relief for people and for, like for me as well like music is the same for me it's a special thing i think it was dave grohl that said that he was like that you can play the, sa the same song you can say play a song he said it better than this you can play a song to ten thousand people and 10,000 people will sing that song back to you for their own, re for 10,000 different reasons. Um, oh, he said it better than that. Can we pretend I said it? <laughs> Let's pretend that was my quote. But um, yeah, I think that's true, isn't it? Like, I know that, I think it's like autobiographical as well, isn't it? Like, I relate certain songs to certain times in my life. And if I want some nostalgia or to feel the way that I felt in the summer of 2003, I don't know, then I'll listen to Graceland by Paul Simon, you know, and, and that'll make me feel good. So, yeah. yeah. You can almost, I always think you can kind of like piggyback off the emotions of the song and like, it can help you process your own. If you can't find words for what you're feeling, right? Yeah. So sometimes I, I might need to get a cry out and yeah. it won't come and I can't get it and yeah. I don't know how to get there, but I know what song will get me there. Yeah. And the, the, whoever wrote that song, they might not have, um, you know, intended it for me to sit and mm. cry to. It might even not be a, a sad song, but you can kind of like, you can get that from other people's music, can't you? Yeah, well, I always thought it was cheesy when people say, oh, you, you when you put a record or you put a song out that it's no longer yours, like it belongs to everybody. That is true, isn't it? Because everybody takes their own but it's just like films or books or any it's like an escapism isn't it or you know yeah it's just i i think it, the, the art is so important to me you know and it's i don't get people where they're just like i'm like what music are you into and they're like oh just not really into music or oh you know a bit of everything what's on the radio i'm like what are you talking about it's the most important thing ever yeah, being like like geeking out about a band is almost like a rite of passage, isn't it, man? It's like a, yeah, yeah. There's so much, so much in that. But like we were talking about this today, do you think that now, now music is way more accessible, and you, with streaming and everything like that? Like in my day, you go and you'd have in my day when I were a kid, you'd go and you'd have your your pocket money or whatever, and you'd buy one album. And I feel like you got really into that album and that kind of gave you a cultural kind of identity. You know, I, I liked Nirvana, so I dressed like Kurt Cobain. Do you think that's still a thing? Where music is like, people can just listen to everything. Do you think there's still that kind of cultural identity that comes from music? I don't think so, no. No? I think so. It's on TikTok now, isn't it? Like yeah. for a flash in the pan day. There's no goths anymore. Or, or you're There's no goth like, kids. Um, blend things. So sometimes, like, you know, a kid will go past me, and it, the, this kid will be on a skateboard, and wearing like half a Nike tracksuit, and then some like goth dungarees, <laughs> and all the like kids have got long hair. When I was at school, if you had long hair, that set you were a music fan or a skateboarder. Yes. Or, now, like everyone, like Liverpool, particularly, everyone's got a ket wig in Liverpool. Yeah, know? they like, have actually, like, aren't they? It's what the scallies have. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the lines of all that stuff is just... Um, is that better yeah. or worse, do you reckon? Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Everything's blurred because everyone can just delve into anything. Everything's accessible and just all the time. I don't know if it's better or worse. Maybe it's better, actually. I think I would have loved as a kid to not have those rules and just be able to say like, I'm gonna just 
be and like everything I want to like. Yeah. You, I f yeah, I think that's quite, that would have been quite, because um, you could get trapped in that identity stuff. Like. You can actually, yeah. yeah. But it also gives you like, that gave me my mates and my scene and like taught me who, like who I was. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's better or not. I don't know. I think I'm just an old man now. I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting though, isn't it? How that how that changes and and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a good um good point, man. Thanks, mate. I'm very clever. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. And yeah. um, the you mentioned before, like the creative process. Does that help you day to day, Tom? Does that help you uh, like when you're writing songs, making music? Does that kind of help you uh, help your mental health level? Oh yeah, 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 hundred percent. Like. Um, it's with my ADHD as well it's something that I'll just like really focus on because you have like hyper focusing and if I'm writing a song that's just like the most free I ever feel I just I get into like this strange zone and it's just like hours can pass me by without me even realizing and, and I think that's like when I'm most just no inhibitions just guards completely down and and I'm not thinking about anything else apart from that one thing and I really like that, that I can do that and that that happens I like it and if anyone talks to me when I'm writing a song yeah we cause obviously you said before we spend so much time together we all know how we, we are like brains work and if you see Tom put his hand in his head and it's because he's like trying to think of lyrics or like trying to write something and someone else is talking I'm like oh no I know that everyone needs to be quiet because he's thinking and writing a song and he's like oh how'd you tell people <laughs> I am a bit weird. <laughs> I think like, I don't know, maybe that's something we're missing, right? For modern life is more, more ways that we go into that place. Mm. It's kind of whether it's like a flow state or whatever you want. Yeah. Because we're yeah. all on and everyone's thinking about the future and everyone's like yeah. social media and got all this like stimulus and to have something in your life where you can just kind of like, just go into it and get, get lost. I think yeah. that's really important. Man. It's battering my head, the social media thing. Like it's just constant, everyone constant broadcasting in it. Just like short little bursts of blah, blah, blah. It's too much information all the time. Blah, 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 blah. And it, yeah, it's, it kind of, and I'm bad for it. Like I'll sit there on my phone and get stuck on it and like stuck scrolling, but it's, it's, it's battering my head. I always think it's weird like with writing as well that like when we'll go to the studio and we're writing a song together it's like four people in a room like organised, creative, like all doing it at the same time. I always think that's a mad concept to all be like tuned in and doing the same thing. Yeah, it's nice though, isn't it? Like I really like, I, I just love making stuff, you know. Yeah. And anytime that if we're making a video or even some art or like just a song, whatever, I just really, really love making stuff. I get a lot of dopamine when you you finish a thing yeah. I'm like ah oh, they did a thing you know yeah. I suppose that's the the thing with like being in a band isn't it like music is like was it greater than the sum of its parts so like you're saying when you're all doing like separate creative things and it all comes through into this thing and it's yeah. you know ends up somewhere maybe that you you know didn't know it was going yeah and I'm, I think you know I'm really grateful for the people that are in this band and, and around it like just great musicians and we're all on the same page and we're always pulling in the right directions aren't we and, and everyone gets to say although essentially it is you know they're my songs <laughs> I wrote them but no and like um, Tristan as well who's our manager and producer is just like our soulmate like asshole mate <laughs> asshole mate uh, when, since we met him everything changed didn't it and like since he started managing the band it, it just really Oh, we've got a lot to thank Tristan for. Say something nice about Tristan. Yeah, as, the, as soon as we stepped foot in his studio all them years ago and like 
it's hard to find that connection as a band with someone else that like gets it and is on the same level and cares about it as much as you so then to find him and have him as our little family it's nice <coughs> nobody cares about this band as, as much as Tristan or more that you like he, he phones me at like two in the morning with like oh all right much I've had an idea what about and I'm like mate shut up <laughs> but he like really cares about it and he's so talented and we're very grateful he took i mean he's never managed a band before and and we just we were in the studio because he was our producer and we just drew up this plan on a whiteboard of how we were going to do it with the goal being get a number one album and then we just did it did all the plan and now we've got a number one album. <laughs> like right. it's pretty mental, really, because he's like manifestation. Right? Yeah. Well, I had my phone background. I had a picture of the trophy for like months, and I was I'd look at it every day and go, "I'm going to get you. I'm going to get." And now I'm just going to change it to a picture of a bigger Willie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you know, I don't know if the universal provide you with a bigger Willie. <laughs> big like I, you know, I, yeah, forward. I think that's a. <laughs> No, there's no, there's, you can't do it. I've looked all into it. You can get it wider oh, right. with like fillers. <laughs> you can get fillers. You kept shouting at us for not changing our screens to the number one trophy as well. You're like, why are you not all doing it? Yeah, it was doing my head in. I'm trying to like positively manifest this thing and no, and everyone else is negatively doing it. Joel's just got a United screensaver. Yeah, Joel's just got Eric Tenag. Look that got it. You've got Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you ever... Um, written anything you know if you're using writing to like process and get your head around your thoughts and stuff have you ever written anything and thought like fucking hell that's dark have you ever yeah. like found something yeah. like yourself he's, like he's that? got this one song and you wanted to like put it out and i was like you can't put it out it like literally made anyone that's heard it cry it's so sad i have it in my head all the time yeah. but it's so sad like it's just yeah you can't it just make people cry but not in a nice way i know like we were saying before music when it's an outlet to make people cry in a nice way and that relief but yeah no it's just like it's a bit too it's a bit too yeah, i think there's a line but it's so sinister yeah, well you know we are a pop band and i, I did i wrote a song which was like, i sent it to one of my friends and they just phoned me up and went hey are you all right mate like do we need to talk and it's like it is yeah i was in a bad place at that time but um it's a very sad song yeah yeah, I suppose that like, yeah, is that useful, Katie, to like, you know, when he says, oh, I've written this, what do you think of that? And you can be like, oh, are you all right, mate? Yeah, like, it was, yeah, we were very much like that. But it is that you, if you need to express that way, like you said, like writing is that tool, get it, get it out, but don't ever play that song to anyone because it's sad. <laughs> it is really sad, yeah. It's the saddest song ever. Yeah, it's like I think I might have I thought I know it's over by the Smiths was the saddest song ever, but I've written a sadder one. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, recording you therapy session <laughs> putting it to a to a track or something yeah, yeah. It, it was bad how do you guys look after yourselves like on tour because that must be um you know you said before there's like a lot of highs and lows of good bits and bad bits and like that to me just you know opportunities for mental health to to crash if you're not careful mm. well we we've kind of found that trying to eat a bit better but a main thing really we've been trying to like exercise as well because you obviously you spend in the day in a van all day you don't see any daylight you don't go for a walk you're just in a venue loading in that's it you might have a bit of time to sit down and eat but other than that so like you've been really good this tour of making sure like you get up in the morning get to a gym go and just like get some adrenaline and some exercise and then that's been helping our mental health loads hasn't it this time like we've learned over the years treat ourselves better helps our heads a lot more it absolutely does and 
I've, I've like recently found the gym as like a coping mechanism um, because it just makes me, it sets me up for the day and just, I always find that I'm much more grounded and, and just a lot less erratic. If I've been to the gym, I've borne off some steam. I think I've been doing it about a year now. I've lost like six and a half stone. Nice. Yeah, I still look bad. I don't, I don't even know how I still look bad. It's well annoying. What else can I do? Not famous, still look bad. Got a number one album, been lost six and a half stone. But um, yeah, I think it's... I was, I've lost, I've not lost as much as Tom, but yeah, I was like, suffered a lot with depression and then I found like exercise and sort in like my health habits out a lot more has helped me so much more with that. You have lost as much as me. You've lost about that, haven't you? That's my five. Five stone is a lot of weight to lose, Kate. Yeah, it's incredible, really. So I yeah. think we're going to do like a fitness DVD. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's um, yeah, that the gym thing that is it is important, right? Was it uh, mental health needs physical support? Yeah. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like free drugs, man. Like you, I come out of the gym, I feel really good. Yeah. And that does help me a lot with my like anxiety and stuff definitely it's cool you can find it on like tour you know you can be on to find different gyms and stuff because it's not really like what people think of of being on well, tour is it's it it's hard when you're so tired in the morning then i might have had a couple of beers and then in the morning you, you but i've like managed to just kind of find that structure of like right i'm tired now but if i do some exercise get my head straight you do feel better for the day don't you yeah, and it, it encourages me to like get up early and get and and get a start on the day. When we're in a tour bus, it also was a good place to have a poo in a shower. Yeah, that is one thing as well because you can't have a poo in a shower. So yeah, get into yeah. The gym. <laughs> can't poo on a tour bus. No, what does Beyonce yeah. do? It's the well. Yeah, because I made the mistake of going for a run round Southampton and then I was like dead sweaty and also needed a poo, and then we couldn't get in the venue for like another four hours. So I was just like, oh. <laughs> It's not a good, not a good place to be. No, it's not very yeah. glamorous. That's no, a good idea though, using the gym, gym shower. Yeah, we just yeah. had our bathroom done, and I was taking my kids to the swimming lesson, and while they were in the pool, I was running and getting a shower and <laughs> coming back out. So yeah, it's good. Any opportunity to grab a grab a shower? Yeah. Um, my uh, favorite song on the album, I think, if I had to pick one, I love um, Sertraline. That's oh, such thank a good you. track, man. And um, you know, I touched on the awareness thing, the idea that there's going to be, you know, people in crowds and festival fields like singing sertraline when there's so much stigma around medication is yes. so sick yeah um is that your like is that have you been on those meds or is just like citraloplan just not a, is that a cr crappy chorus like one or the other no yeah i'm on sertraline now so that was like a turning point for me getting a, an anxiety and uh, depression diagnosis and looking at ways that I can sort that out because I got I, I was really stressed I was in like a bad way I ended up getting so panicked and so like it's in such a bad place that I crashed a van like just like wasn't thinking and was so like irate and I ended up crashing a van and I thought like that, that could have been so much worse someone could have really got hurt and that is because of me so I needed to go to the doctors and speak to them and I ended up getting sertraline and it made a big well what do you think yep yeah, like could, like other albums that we've done like anything that went wrong and that was out of our hands you just couldn't cope could you it just send you into a spiral but like I've been amazed with like the past few months we've been like under the worst stress we've ever been and you've been just every like barrier we've hit you've just been like it's okay we'll do this instead and you've found like you've just been brilliant yeah I'm now an excellent person yeah <laughs> <laughs> now a good boy <laughs> it's bad like when like 
I've, I'm not on sertraline at the moment, but I have been. Yeah. Um, and I resisted taking it for ages because I was like, oh, it's going to turn me into a zombie. That's exactly what that. I and thought. Like all these things. And then you take it. And like for me, well, I know it doesn't work for everyone, right? But mm. for me, I had a, a positive experience like yourself. And I was like, oh, so this is what, this is what everyone else goes through yeah. day to day. Like it gives you that kind of, um, yeah, normalizes everything. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. It makes things a lot less extreme because my emotions were always really extreme. Uh, one way or the other and, and now I think I'm just in a nice balance and, and you know more towards the happy part of it and I'm just like things are going well and yeah it's nice and it was a turning point for me getting diagnosed and I know it's not I know it's not right for everyone to to do medication but it definitely was right for me yeah yeah same I had a very very similar uh experience but turning points are good good way to look at it yeah yeah very much so and the other song i wanted to um ask you about was uh letter to yourself yeah because that's sick man and obviously thanks man it's got frank i was planning to talk about frank but we brought him up at the start uh, immediately uh, yeah, <laughs> within away. the first five seconds <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, that must have been mad to sit down and like write that that thought process of like looking back and um i think we could all benefit by doing that right yeah i mean when with that song i i, I didn't even know it was a song i just kind of wrote it I was in what that the flow state and just like wrote it and then read it and then cried and then kind of brought it to the band and I've been like, I've done this. Do you think there's anything in it? And we kind of didn't really imagine it was going to be a single or it, it was like an important part of the album or anything, but it seems to be the one that's really connected with people. And I've got a lot of people coming up to me saying that it's helping them or it's helping their kids that are around that age and, and or they wish they'd have been told that at that time and so, so do I, you know? So it was like, yeah, I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud of how it's connected to people and, and Frank's on it. Yeah. And that's, that's all I ever want from our music, if it can help someone in any way. Like, that's just the loveliest feeling for us, I think, to know that, that it's an impact in a positive way for people, then fine, we've done our job, I think. I'm happy with that. Yeah, me too. That's the most special part of it. I know, I think someone's just flushed the toilet. Um, yeah, I mean, like, obviously, it's nice to have a number one trophy, and I do care a lot about that, but the nicest thing for me is when someone says you've helped me through your music. Yeah. You know, that's so it, nice. We spent like as humans, we, we all experience this stuff and we all think it's just us and we bury it and we hide of it and we're shameful about it. And that makes it fucking worse. Yeah. And then all it takes is one person to go first and say, like, oh, I sometimes feel like this. And everyone else goes, oh yeah, me too. Yeah. Go, oh, why didn't we all just say this? Yeah. Before, you know? It's strange, isn't it? There is such a stigma around talking about how you feel. Uh, I think it's getting better though. Mm. Like I definitely do. I think like maybe in our parents' day, like uh, maybe particularly men, I don't know, just like weren't able to uh, express the feelings. Like, you know, my, my granddad doesn't hug my dad. They shake hands. You know what I mean? And I'd, I'd, and my dad would, would used to do that with me. And then one day I was like, dad, I love you. Like, I want, I want to hug you. Like it's, I just think expressing your emotions, I feel like horrible when men do feel that and they can't be like that and that stigma around it it's just it's it's hard it's yeah but I think it is getting better yeah it's got to phase out right I always think like my grandparent my granddad and my grand they met 
in the war. They're both in the army. Yeah. So I'm only like two generations away from the war. It's crazy, isn't it? And you come back from the war and the country's in a fucking state and no one's got any money. Yeah. Well, you ain't got time to be sad, right? Yeah. So everyone's got to have that stiff upper lip. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And sure. That, that was only my parents' generation were brought up as part of that. Yeah. So it's almost like us as the next ones like we're kind of learning on the job that we you know there's no like all right the, the world's in a fucking shitty place sometimes but we're not in a war you know and yeah like, yeah we can like you know we got time to talk about this stuff and let it breathe isn't it but yeah the world just changes on. so rapidly though doesn't it like it's it's crazy like if, if you think about just our parents and how they grew up and how different the world was then and I do like I do worry about the kids with all the social media and stuff and like everything that brings and like I just think it's dead weird when you see like a two year old on an iPad and they know what they're doing I'm like why do you know what you're doing with that they're eating the tea and they're not even like looking at the food they're just watching TikTok endlessly scary yeah so it's something happened. but it's just Space age that's Black Mirror yeah I kind of like I've got small kids and I kind of think that like one of the biggest battles is the whole tech thing and I just yeah. think like for like for me it's different because I was I remember when there wasn't any so yeah. I'm having to learn what the fuck to do with it but yeah. I suppose I've got faith that the younger generations are like they'll be better at coping with this stuff because it'll it's not it's just, just normalised isn't yeah, it yeah not, yeah not watch the not watch the it's weird yeah I think I'm, like we're from like we're all from the middle ground of like the internet coming in and stuff like that but like getting phones but like nokia's but like yeah like msm messenger <laughs> you know that was that was my youth you know yeah yeah um i wanted to ask as well and i'm gonna get through these quick because i'm conscious of your time guys that's no, okay uh, i wanted to ask about some of the guest spots on the album because the that's really um really sick did you have people in mind that you reached out to specifically yeah we did um when i was telling you about that plan with the whiteboard yeah we wrote a load of names down on that and every one of them said, yeah, actually. And I wrote the song specifically for them. Everyone said, yeah, apart from Suggs from Madness. So if you're listening, Suggs, get in touch. Let's do it. He probably is. So yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, I always found it really bizarre that in indie music, no one was doing these collaborations. Like it wasn't even a thing. You see it in pop and hip hop all the time, but it just not in indie music. So like I was writing songs that I, I write a song that I knew would be perfect for Sean Ryder's voice and send it to him. And it, and I'm lucky to be in a position where I can, I suppose. But it still blows my mind that these like huge icons have have said yes and that have trusted kind of us and my writing with their legacy. You know, like Boy George is very very famous, and I've, you know to be part of his legacy is kind of mind blowing to me. Yeah. Did they, did they come to the? The studio? Did you record those in? Yeah. Um, I w <laughs> being in the studio with Sean Ryder is exactly how you imagine it would be. Like Everything it, you need. Yeah. So Sean Ryder's rider is, um, what is it, like four cans of Guinness. McCoy's, not the baked ones. They've got to be the, the proper ones. The real McCoy's. Celebrations. <laughs> and, and a bottle of Jameson's. Right, so he, he walked in. And he's like, um, he got himself, he got himself a can of Guinness. And he's like, I've not got a glass. Have you got a glass? I'm like, shit, no, we didn't bring a glass. So he was drinking it out of a Sports Direct mug, which I thought like was just class immediately. And then he like picked three bags of crisps out, 
when got all his favourite celebrations, stuffed them in his pocket, and he's like, right, I'll take these and I'll swap you for this and put a conker down on the table. <laughs> and it weren't conker season, man. It was nowhere near. I think it was like April. It's like, well, I think he just carries conkers around with him all the time. He's bonkers, that lad. Oh, mate, yeah. That's what you want, though, isn't it, when Sean Ryder comes to the studio? Yeah, and you know what? Like, I want... I want. I was worried because I wanted him to do a Sean Ryder thing at the start. I wanted to call the cop. You twisted my melon, man. I wanted one of them, and I was like, "Do I write that for Sean Ryder? Like, is that something that I like?" Am I like, "Oh, Sean Ryder, say this," but we didn't have to, did we? No, it was just like literally for an hour, just spitballing, wasn't it? Like we were just in stitches. He was just brilliant. It was. Great. Well, he's he's got ADHD as well, hasn't he? And he was saying about, did you talk then about how he needed it ri- written down? No, no. Um, he wanted it written down, obviously, because he couldn't concentrate on it. But the words are just money three times. <laughs> but then he was drawing like squares and stuff, and we we're like wondering what he was doing. But then when he went into the actual uh, booth, he was it was because he wanted the lyric, "My world's all square." And it, it was just quickly trying to remember it and get it down. That was so fascinating to see how his mind worked with it all. It was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, Tony Wilson said that he was like one of the greatest poets and it's absolutely true. Someone's at the door. It's absolutely true. Like I saw it firsthand and he's just in, in the, the vocal booth in the studio and literally freestyling all this amazing stuff. Like it was am- One day we're just going to release the whole hour long version incredible yeah man that'd be uh, sick you can hear it on the track you can hear all the, like, the laughing and stuff all yeah and man. that's yeah. what it was like you know it really was it was a great day that was one of my favourite ever studio experiences when Sean came down and the, what have you got coming up guys what's um, what's it's festival time now isn't it so like just bare festivals all the time like our whole summer is kind of spent in a, in a festival environment and I love that they're specifically designed to have fun in so like we do have fun and get paid lots so it's really good what more do you want job done right job yeah. done yeah we're coming to um, we go to Kendall calling with oh. man. so we caught you there last year and we'll be coming again uh, yeah that's one of our favourites um, we're on the main stage this time and, and Kendall calling has been one that we've like built up from the bottom the first time we played Kendall calling was on the house party stage and it was the first day of the festival and um, they put us on at like 11 o'clock in the morning and then they opened the doors to the festival at 12. So like we literally played to no one. Absolutely no one. <laughs> but like since then we've we've kind of played every year and built up the stages and um, the audiences have got bigger and bigger and bigger and then last year that tent was absolutely rammed when we played it like you couldn't even get in and they were like, okay, fine. We'll put you on the main stage. So I'm really looking forward to that one. We're going to celebrate our number one record there, I think. Oh, mate, yeah. Oh, superb. Well, guys, I'm going to let you go, but thank you so much for your time today. I really... No, mate, I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. Oh, no worries. Thank you. A big up to that proper mental podcast. A proper mental podcast. <laughs>